was kind of bad weather, and uh, only one person showed up. And so the preacher asked, well, do you want to go ahead and have services or not? He said, of course, we want to have services. If I had just one cow show up, I'm going to feed him. And uh, so he preached. And at the end of the message, uh, you know, they dismissed. And and he asked the father, well, what do you think? you get much out of the message? And he said, well, preacher, when only one cow comes, I do feed them, but I don't give them the whole load at one time. <laughs> so though we're down in number today, I'm glad you're here. And uh, <coughs> you will be getting the, the whole load at one time. <coughs> Let's go to Matthew chapter 5. We're in a series where we're trying to study the 49 or you could some say 50 commandments that the Lord gave during his public ministry. He was <coughs> for about a year in obscurity. He was introduced to John the Baptist and baptized with John the Baptist and he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. And, and then after that, he began his public ministry. <coughs> and in that public ministry, he's going to give about 49 commands. And at the end, before he goes to the heaven, the Great Commission, part of that Great Commission was not only to make disciples and see people saved, but also to teach them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And so we've been working through that. Today we come to the fifth one, and that's going to be found here in Matthew 5, uh, verses 13 through 16, and the command is really in verse 16. Matthew 5, and we'll begin in verse 13. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set upon a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so the imperative, the command of this section, this fifth command that the Lord has given, is in that verse 16 where he says, Let your light so shine before men. The command. And so, what is all this about? Basically, Jesus is saying, and we'll look at this as we go, that when we're saved, we become the light of the world. We become light. That, that uh, there's something about us that is light generating, that we're light. And in fact, uh, we take upon the nature of God, and, and God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. And so he's saying, because your light shines, you know, the purpose of the light is to shine. And so do what you're created for. And so 
it, it's what is that? Uh, it's uh, kind of hinted at uh, before, where it says that uh, a light upon a hill cannot be hid, and, and neither should our lights be hid when you're traveling, and uh, you may be in a place where you can. I remember where I grew up. Uh, there was a town over from our town, and we get up on a plateau where the wheat fields were, and you could look over there, and uh, 20 miles away, you'd see this town shining, and it couldn't be hidden. Well, he's simply saying, as lights of the Lord, uh, we, we should be shining. And, he, and so let's just look at a little bit of this verse and break it down. He says, let your light show, so shine. I always had trouble growing up and still do with, uh, you know that little saying, seashells, seashells by the seashore. <laughs> I could never say that. And the S sounds are hard for me, especially when there's two of them right together. Let your light so shine. Shine before men. That means uh, in the front of men. We're, we're just looking at the breakdown of the verse. Uh, in the sight of men. Uh, <coughs> he's clearly advocating that when we're saved, we're not supposed to go live uh, like uh, uh, hermits or live in a... In a uh, a Catholic monastery, a monastic life, but, but we're to be light, and we're to shine as light, <coughs> that they may see, uh, that is, uh, that, that they can look, perceive, it's very, very, uh, very clear understanding that we're not here to be lawyers, to be judgmental, to pass verdicts, but we're here to be witnesses. And then good works. What's good works? Well, it's those that show that God has done something in us and we're doing something for other people. We're instruments of the Lord to be a blessing to the world. That the <coughs> and what was the reason? Well, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Instead of <coughs> when you look over into chapter 6, he talks about men who do their alms before others and men who pray in public, and, and they do it to be seen of men. And, uh, and the Bible says, and, and they have their reward. But we're not to, we're not to do things in, a, in the name of religion to be seen of men. We're to do things in the name of religion uh, because it's for the Lord, that we want to uh, honor the Lord. We want people to see Christ living in us. And so really to fully grasp this whole concept of letting your light shine before men, I think we need to go back all the way to uh, 13 as we did, where it begins to be talked about, ye are the salt of the earth, and then in verse 14, ye are the light of the world. If you've been around for very long, there's two things you understand about this world in light of this context. This, uh, this world is characterized by moral corruption and by spiritual darkness. That this world is corrupt and it's not getting, it, it is rotting more and more. When, <laughs> uh, how, could, how, how rotten could it get when states are debating whether to try to overthrow the ruling of the Supreme Court, Roe versus Wade, and the right for people to kill babies? I mean, it, it's mind-boggling. And spiritual darkness, 
things that people say and believe. And so there are two horribly destructive things, darkness and corruption. So Jesus is saying, ye are the salt of the earth, and ye are the light of the world. And and, um, the grammar part of that, this this is, it's called, it's called, in emphatic, see if I know how to spell here. Yeah, e n. It's in the in the emphatic, and what that means is this: you that are saved, you and you only are the light of the world. You and you only are the salt of the world. And so here's the deal. If we do not shine, and if we do not affect our society the way salt affects biologically the world, then nobody else is going to. That we are, for the light that's going to shed the darkness, get rid of the darkness, and the salt that's going to stop corruption are his children. If we don't do it, it won't get done. No one else has the capability of doing it. Only we have it. Because life on this earth is characterized by moral corruption, God has saved us in order to make us the salt of the earth, which purifies and cleanses and seasons serves as a preservative. Because people live in a world of darkness, we are the light of the world that pierces that darkness and exposes the sin and points the way to the Savior. And so Jesus is saying, you and you only are the light of the world. And listen, There's no one else to do the job. You can't hire us out. There's no one else that's going to stop the corruption. And so when you see an area of the world that is corrupt, (coughs) when you see that here's a street uh, where drugs are being sold every place, that, uh, (coughs) that, Someone was saying this morning down in the West Coast and <coughs> excuse me, in Seattle and of course Portland, people are just shooting up on the tram, on the on the on the train. That that uh, the corruption is, is horrible. And and we could say, well, the drug addicts are causing this, the drug pushers are causing this, the uh, the government of Portland, the uh, the the mayor of Portland who wanted to do away with the police force, they're the cause of this. But actually, corruption and darkness can only be dispelled by salt and light. And so uh, let us not put off to others the problem of the world when it could be laid at 
that are at our feet that uh, that the um, situation in America is because life has been taken out of the schools and and uh, corruption has prevailed. So let's think about uh, though our command is with the light, I, I want us to think a little bit about salt and what does salt do? Well, uh, not necessarily in most important order, but salt gives, it, it seasons, which means it gives flavor. Salt brings to this world, as a Christian, it, it brings a flavor. I remember a man that got saved there in Oregon who, you know, thought the only way you could be happy is, you know, you go run your, run your hounds and try to free coons and, or you go fishing and all of it involved drinking and partying. And, and uh, he said, he got saved. He said, I didn't, I didn't know you could have so much fun as a Christian because salt flavor, it makes, it makes, makes uh, life enjoyable because the priorities are right and the bible says he that hath the son hath life and he hath not the son hath not life also salt preserves if you're trying to smoke salmon uh, you need to put some salt in it that it stops corruption that where a new testament church is in a city it stops corruption. And when a New Testament church leaves that city, there's going to be more and more corruption. And so <clears throat> just the presence, <laughs> just the presence of a Christian on the job makes a difference. Why do people, why do people, <clears throat> when you're not around, why do people just say what they want to say and they use the curse words that they want to use, but when you show up, they'll say, oh, Excuse my French. If I was a Frenchman, I'd kind of be upset with that. But, but <clears throat> they say that because you're there. Well, why do they say that? Because it stops corruption. It affects the corruption of the world. That, that we do have some qualities given to us by God <clears throat> that has preserving qualities. <clears throat> Along with this, this same thing and kind of overlap, this, that salt will um, will cleanse it cleanse it and, it and it purifies if there's something about salt that is going to stop <coughs> decay <coughs> why do people gargle, gargle with a sore throat why do they use salt when they gargle because it affects the disease that's in their mouth. <coughs> and we ought to have a purifying influence. <coughs> it heals. It goes along with this, purifies and heals. Fourth, it creates a thirst. 
when I was in high school, the junior class got to sell concessions at the basketball game because back then they still had what they call the senior sneak, and so the juniors could earn money. So when you graduated as a senior, you, you got to skip school and go on a senior sneak. Uh, <coughs> okay, I'm ancient, I'm <laughs> old fogey stuff. <coughs> but the purpose of the story is that the popcorn machine, we had popcorn and we, they, had, they sold uh, sodas. And when you make the popcorn, we were informed that you put a lot of salt in there because the more salt you put on the popcorn, the more soda you're going to sell. Well, it creates thirst. But in a very positive way, <coughs> you know, when you're, when you're thirsty, you're thirsty. You know, I got to have some water uh, when you're dry. Well, the presence of a Christian who's being salt in his area is that people are saying, they come to the place where they say, I got to have what you have. I just don't understand how you can not let these things overwhelm you. How can they keep you out of going into a great slump? Well, it's because we have the Lord. And our lives ought to create salt, uh, create thirst. And then um, maybe in a bad way sometimes, but this should be in a good way, we irritate. We don't mean to be irritating just be irritating. But <clears throat> if I have, a, if I have a, a wound on my hand and I've cut it and, and uh, somehow salt gets into that, I know clearly that salt's in that. Well, sometimes just the fact that we are in an area and we're living up to what we've been created for and we're salt, it can be irritating. And then there can be repercussions of that. But it's just being what we naturally are. And, you know, the fact that the wound is irritated points out that there is a wound and it can create some healing. And so we're not sugar. We're not vinegar where we're going to irritate that way. But we're salt. And uh, it can purify those sores. And so that's the salt. Only we can do that. Ye are <coughs> the light of the world. Ye are the salt of the earth. And ye and ye only. And then <coughs> what about light? We are the light of the world. Ephesians says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And so <coughs> this thing about light <coughs> goes beyond just acting like light, but actually when we got saved and the Spirit of God lives within us, we are spiritually light, that we are light. That <coughs> we're not just to, um, you know, reflect light, uh, but we are actually light. Second Peter says, according as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us in the glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so <coughs> part of the divine nature doesn't mean we're little gods, 
the part of the divine nature is within us, and, and, and as he is light, we're light. And so uh, sometimes you can't help that. <laughs> or you're just shy. You, you can, you can um, uh, like Jordan was giving the illustration the other day about uh, going and buying parts at the plumber, plumber store, and this guy who was the salesman, who, who he didn't have much to do with, uh, just to say hello and stuff. But uh, he said, uh, he walked outside with Jordan. And he said, uh, you're a Christian, aren't you? And Jordan said, yeah, I'm a Christian. He said, well, I just want you to know I got saved. And Jordan was, you know, convicted about, well, I didn't play much a role in that because I didn't witness much. But how did he know he was a Christian? Because there was a difference. And uh, and I know that we can stuff that. I know that when I went off to secular college, there was a point in time where uh, I wanted to be a, a secret disciple. And I didn't want anybody knowing that I was a Christian. But one day... Uh, One day, this guy that I knew uh, said something very disparaging about God. Uh, and actually, he used the idea of, of um, uh, evolution. Uh, what do you call that? Uh, theistic evolution. And that, and in the end, he says, if you believe in theistic evolution, then you believe that, you know, man started out as a monkey and evolved into a man. And anyway, he turned it around to make a God. He said, well, if that's true, then God's a monkey because he said, I created man in my own likeness. And God's a monkey. And I realized right then that I was going to have to give up my running <laughs> and using, using theistic evolution as an excuse. And I realized right then that uh, I couldn't take my God being called a monkey. And so it just springs out of you. You can't hide what you are. But wh why should we hide what we are? And so light ought to be shine because that's who I am. I was never ashamed to be called a Humphrey, and I'm not ashamed to be called a Christian. And so we are uh, to be shining in this dark world. John 3 says, This is a condemnation that light has come to the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And then in John 14, Jesus said, I am come a light into the world that whosoever lives in me should not abide in darkness. And so we are by nature, partakers of the divine nature. All right, what does light do? Well, uh, light, light, uh, light dispels darkness. 
darkness comprehended not. Darkness can't overcome it. But light dispels darkness. Uh, you've heard many illustrations about being in an underground cave and the lights being turned off and just one match is lit. And it's absolutely amazing how much it is lighted by one match. Well, light should dispel darkness, spiritual darkness. Darkness, with, with this darkness, one of the things, light dispels darkness, but what does the, the, one of the things that darkness does, darkness will uh, impair, impair your vision. As you get older and your, the mechanics of your eyes don't contract and reflect or whatever it does, it won't focus in as good and you have to wear those bifocals or, uh, and have to do things to see and, and uh, it seems like that there's never enough light. Well, light is necessary to see things clearly. And this world is not seeing things clearly. And let me say to you again, when he says, you are the light of the world, you're the salt of the earth, that is you and you only that are light and salt. And so if our community is dependent upon us to light the way, to God. We've used the term, oh, I've got new light on that. Well, it's about new truth, understanding. I can see, I see, you know, people will say, uh, they talk to them and, oh, I see, I understand, I see that now. Well, how do they see without light? And so again, it lays at my heart's door. Am I being truly what I've been saved for? And so it uh, has a number of qualities. We know that uh, your plants are not going to grow unless there's light. Something, too, about light is this. When we come in here and we flip on these lights. The lights aren't saying, oh, look at me, look at me, look at me. See what I am. You know, note how I got these spotlights here. And note if all four bulbs are working in these fluorescent lights. And Oh, look at me. No, no nobody, nobody comes in here at any point in time and flips the lights on and marvels in the light. The light is to shine and illuminate so others can see. 
when you see a when you see a beautiful picture you don't you don't take glory in the light that lights the picture but you take glory in the picture when you see uh, an architectural building that has has wonderful design about it and architectural <laughs> you marvel in the building but listen you'd never see the building without the light and we're to we're to shine to, so people will see he who is the altogether lovely one it's not about us so often we make salt and light about us and it's not it's about exposing the lord and and we're not the center of attention we're not the one who's to be magnified and then it says there in that passage verse 16 that they may see your good works you'd be amazed how many times the Bible mentions good works. In Ephesians 2, 8, 9, of course, for by grace you're saved through faith, not know yourselves. But then in verse 10 it says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. That we're for saved, we're created unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Titus talks about how that we're not by works of righteousness as we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. And it goes on in a couple of verses later, and it says that, that, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Peter says, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. In Matthew 1 through 6, as we mentioned before, but they were giving their alms and they were praying on the street corners to be seen of men. But the Lord said, no, you, you shine, you be as salt, that people may see your good works, that your motive is to glorify the Lord. And boy, this, this uh, teaching has really kicked me in the, in the rear because uh, I kind of got over the years not when somebody's dead on the road but just to go on around them. You know, I got my schedule and, and somebody else will stop. And uh, I don't, I'm not a mechanic anyway. <laughs> and... Uh, and just, uh, you know, the idea that I have my family to take care of and, and I'm, I'm here and I'm uh, going to just maintain mine. But uh, the Lord said, no, they need to see that you care. See your good works. That... Uh, you know, we live in such a uh, such a corrupt society. We live in such a 
fearful society. And I guess it could be different and I don't I really don't think we can make an excuse whether in a big city or in a small town, but you know, what happened? What has happened to when a new family moves in down the road that you take some cookies over to them and make them what has happened to that? Our world has has <laughs> changed for the worse. And we as Christians have allowed that. Just because the world is that way, why should we be that way? So we need to reach out and uh, befriend people and open up our lives to people. And, and you know, it is, so, it is so rare today that when a person would bring you over some cookies when you moved in, you're saying, I wonder what they want. What's their, what's their little uh, motivation behind this? And it's uh, sad. Let me rest with this poem about seeing your good works and glorify God in heaven. He said, I'd rather, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one would walk with me than merely tell the way. The eyes a better pupil and more willing than the ear. Find counsel, fine counsel is confusing, but examples always clear. The best of all the preachers are the men who live their creeds, for to see good put in action is what everybody needs. I soon can learn to do it if you'll let me see it done. I can watch your hands in action, your tongue too fast may run. The lectures you deliver may be very wise and true, but I'd rather get my lessons by observing what you do. For I might misunderstand you and the high advice you give, but there's no misunderstanding how you act, and how you live. I think there's a good point there in that um, that in many ways today we can become Pharisees telling people what to do and not showing them what to do. And so let me see your good works. And so we come to the crisis. Though the command is only in verse 16, let your light so shine, we also have this idea of the salt. Ye are salt, and ye are light, again, an emphatic, the ye and ye only. And the Lord has brought some basic understanding of the natural world to our hearts in the spiritual realm and laid at our heart's door and saying, let your light shine. And though it's not in the, emphatic, in the imperative, in the command sense, 
He says, you are the salt. And so he's saying, be salty. And so we have a choice at a thing, a crisis period laid in front of us. Am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? This is a command from our God. Should I do it? Do I feel like I want to do it? Do I want to be inconvenienced? Do I want to take my time here? Uh, after all, I'm on a schedule. And uh, we're confronted. Now note the wording here in verse 13. You're the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot of men. Salt in the first century was very valuable. Our word salary comes from salt. The soldiers in the Roman army were paid with salt because it was valuable. It could be traded. <coughs> Have you ever heard the expression, he's not worth his salt? That means he's not worth the salary he's getting. He's not wor worth it. And so salt was very valuable. And in the, in the first century, they would, of course, get salt out of the, the uh, salt sea there in, in Israel. But it wasn't like our salt today. Salt today <coughs> is, is manufactured and done in a way that it doesn't lose its properties. But there in Israel, <coughs> the salt that came from the sea, what's the name of that sea? <laughs> um, uh, it's not the Sea of Galilee, but it's the other sea. Red Sea. <coughs> that if that was exposed to sunlight, that it would, it would lose the saltiness and it would be, be worth nothing. So they had to dig down a little deeper and get the, that that hadn't been exposed to the air and the sun and it carried more of the qualities of salt that were preserved and would give flavor and those things. And so it was possible for it to lose its flavor and uh, much different than our salt today. And so He's saying, ye are salt, and ye are light, and only ye are salt, and only ye are light. But uh, you can lose your value. And he says here, where will it be, if it's lost its savor, where will it be salted? Well, you're not going to use that that's lost its power, uh, its salt. And so what do you do with it? Well, what they did with it is they threw it out on the paths and they walked on it. But note the very convicting words here. It is thenceforth good for nothing. It is possible in our lives to be good for nothing. Because you, you are saved, not only to be a child of God and home in heaven, 
what you're saying will affect this world. You're saying to be sovereign. And so be what you are. You're solved. And so there can come a point when uh, I've lost my values. I've lost my purpose. I've lost uh, my ability to be a blessing. Been eating, have you ever been eating a meal and man, it just wasn't good? And you can reach over there for the salt, and the salt could bless you. But if there's no salt, the whole thing is not as great as it could be. Good for nothing. That's uh, that's alarming to me. And I personally believe this. I believe some people that were truly born again that weren't living salt and lives of lives. They left us there sooner than what they should have. who I believe was saved. He was in Sunday school here. But he got into the world. He got to cheating on his wife. He was in his early 40s or late 30s. And he flew up north to go caribou hunting. And the wind fell off his plane, and his life was over. Good for nothing but to be trodden on. And then he says here of the candle, verse 15, Give the light of the world a city that's set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it giveth light into all the house. And so I light this candle. I stick it on, stick it here, wax, put wax, stick it here. And uh, uh, that's Brother Bruce. I don't know why he's got it in there, something for the message. But let's just say this is a bushel basket. The candle's burning. What happens? What happens if you would put a, a little basket? It's not a whole bushel here. It's a measuring basket, but it was made out of out of some kind of vegetation material, grass or maybe twigs. Candle's burning. The bushel basket's over it. We can get air through through there. But what happens is this. Smokes the place up and it burns the basket. When I hide my light, it's only destructive. 
they go in making a big stink. There's nothing constructive about it. And so what the word is saying, okay, here, I brought you to this crisis moment. I want you to ask yourself, am I really being salty? Am I really being vile? And listen, of course, in all of this, and he's already approached this before in some of the commands, of course, in all of this, there's going to be the point of witnessing. So we need a witness. But let me say to you, that your witness of the gospel and the tracts that you give out is devalued greatly if you have no good works to glorify God. Because people do not see in you something different. It's no more than pharisaical. Don't do as I do, but do as I say. Listen, you need to listen to this gospel. Why should I listen to you when I've been observing your life? Why why would I want to listen to you? There's nothing salty about you. There's nothing light about you. But sometimes we lay it upon the lost person. Well, they're just God-haters. Well, no, they're people who have eyes and ears. And they see what you're acting like. And so God's going to hold us accountable. And he's saying, okay, I'm commanding you, be what you are, be light, be salt of this earth. And let's keep in mind this deal about good works. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we're going to hammer on that. You know, by grace are you saved through faith, and not know yourselves against God, not works of the same act of works. But he also goes on and says that we're created unto good works. We're saved unto good works. Not to get to heaven, but to show the world truly we're going to heaven because our lives have been changed. Again, let me say to you that I'm... I'm uh, Sometimes uh, asking myself, Brother Humphrey, what do you, you know, or no, I don't say Brother Humphrey, but what have you gotten yourself into committing yourself to teach these commandments of the Lord? Because he's serious about it. And so should we be. And so let's determine to be light and salt our Savior has commanded it. This is a command from the king. It's not to be debated. It's to do it. And in the end, he'll be glorified for it. All right. We're going to probably get out. No, you didn't get out.